Hello everyone, me and Stanford a little bit later in the episode talk about the Jungle Book coming out in Blu-ray. I just wanted to make a correction that it comes out February 11th, not February 4th. So with that, we take you back to your regularly scheduled program. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination. I'm Mark Fibbert, and with me again is guest host Stanford Clark. Hi, everyone. Hoping that I'm loud enough and enunciating for everybody clearly enough so you can understand what I'm saying. Uh, this is the good Stanford Clark. He's not the the good Stanford Clark uh, or, or the good dinosaur. Um, but today our guest is Otis Frampton who you guys may have seen on different different things on the on the internets, as it were. Um, probably most notably, uh, Oddly Normal and How It Should Have Ended. Uh, th this podcast focuses on the world of animation, so each episode we feature an animated series or film from the past to present, whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop motion. If it's animated, it's up for discussion with us. And then... Episodes that we don't talk about this stuff, even though I just said each episode. Uh, every other episode, we'll, we do strictly uh, just news episodes where we talk about all the latest news in the animation industry. So if you want to listen to just those, you can listen to those. Or if you want to listen to just these types of episodes, you can listen to that. Or you can listen to both. We're not going to force you to do anything. <laughs> but uh, with that, we'll be back in a few seconds with the new releases for the week. the new releases for the week the the first of the releases came out this past tuesday january 28th from nickelodeon and shout factory that's uh, danny phantom the complete series shout factory had been putting out the the first few seasons of this on on dvd and i had, I had had those but i saw this came out so i Traded those those first few seasons I had in and consolidated to just this one this one case. It kind of sucks is that the the case was broken a little bit, so the the discs are somewhat loose inside of it. So as long as I don't open it, they don't fall out. Yeah, <laughs> but, be careful yeah. when you open it. <laughs> uh, it's got all 52 original episodes from the show. Uh, it was created by Butch Hartman, the same guy that, that did uh, well, still is doing Fairly Odd Parents. So it's it's that same kind of character design that. You'd be familiar yeah, with from that show. You can tell it's from the same, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like I would say if if you're like like our age and you watch the real Ghostbusters when that was on in the '80s, it's kind of would be more or less like that kind of a show for kids that would would have watched it like in the the early 2000s, like 2004 to 2007 when it was on TV. 
But yeah, it's it's just the episodes of the show. It's no special features or anything. But I mean, if you're a big fan of the show, definitely say to pick it up so that we can check out the entire series and and show it to everybody else that was a big fan. Because I don't think that that is actually on Netflix. So this is one of the only ways to to watch the that entire series if you're so inclined to want to watch it. Uh, the next one that comes out Tuesday, one of the one of the next three that we have uh, is coming out on Blu-ray for the first time. Well, the only time, I guess. Anywhere for yeah. the first time, I guess, right? Yeah, uh, but it's Justice League War. Uh, it's kind of a sequel to the the Flashpoint Paradox uh, universe original DC Universe original movie they just did. Whereas, but it's also like an origin story for the Justice League. Uh, but it's based on the new 52 that DC Comics has kind of rebooted all their characters with. So it shows like a, a different kind of origin story for getting, you know, Superman, Batman, Shazam, Wonder Woman. And then in this, it's it's actually Cyborg's origin story as well. So you get to see him become part of the group and how he became Cyborg. Uh, it's got a pretty good voice cast as well. And the perpetually unlucky with TV series... Uh, Jason Amara, who you may remember from Terra Nova and yep. Life on Mars, both of shows which got canceled, both of which were which I liked. They were uh, cool shows. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like him, so I'm I'm glad he got work in this as well. And I mean, I'm hoping that he gets some other stuff too because I really I really like that guy. Uh, and Jay Olivia basically has got to be the most steadily employed guy at at DC and, and Warner Brothers because he's worked on a ton of of the DC universe uh, straight to Blu-ray and streaming and DVD films. I think he's worked on like the past, I don't know, like seven or eight, mm-hmm. maybe more, but he's, pretty much when he's done with one, he goes on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, but this, this is a great Blu-ray. All of their, their films look great. On Blu-ray animation in general, as I've said before, on on the show, looks fantastic, and just all the vibrant colors and whatnot from that. Um, really good bonus features on there. There's creating heroes, the life and art of Jim Lee. If you're a big fan of comics, uh, obviously Jim Lee's one of the the big guys. Uh, Justice League War Act D from animatic to pencil test. So. If you're like us, and obviously if you're listening to this podcast, that is a bonus feature you would be interested oh, in checking absolutely. out. Uh, from the DC Comics Vault, there's four vintage cartoons on here. I will not tell you what they are, so I don't ruin the surprise. But I, I always like that with the these DC animated movies is that Bruce Tim, usually on a bunch of on the older ones, would pick kind of relevant episodes from like Justice League Unlimited or mm-hmm. Batman the Animated Series or Superman the Animated Series that were relevant to that film. So you could check them out. So that's cool to watch them that way. And then that's pretty much the only way we're going to get some of these in HD sometimes on these Blu-rays. Because I think season two and season one, season two of Justice League, the original version of that show are available on Blu-ray. So if you haven't picked those up, those are worth checking out too. Uh, And then there's Deconstructing War with Jay Olivia and Jim Lee. And then there's a sneak peek at, we've talked about this a little bit, uh, DC Universe's next animated movie, Son of Batman. This is Son of Batman, and it's about nine minutes that? long. Yeah. Okay, so this is this yeah, is it's the, the same, same one that's, that's on online. YouTube, yeah. So uh, by the time you guys check out this episode on Wednesday, the 
the fifth, uh, you'll either watch it on the Blu-ray or you can check it out on YouTube too. That that little sneak peek at Son of Batman. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely suggest picking that up. It's not uh, as emotionally, you know, centered as Flashpoint Paradox was, but definitely think it's another good addition to the DC Universe original films that they've been putting out. And I guess they're going to be doing like a, a sequel to this Justice League War film as well. So, so it might end up being like a trilogy with Flashpoint Paradox, Justice League War, and then whatever that third film is that they, they do within that series. So definitely be on the lookout on our site for news on that too. And then the next one coming out of the vault from Disney is the jungle book on Blu-ray. And I remember this is kind of funny because now my son is old enough to have lived through a film being brought out of the Disney vault, (laughs) out of the vault (laughs) being put, being put back in the vault. And then seven years later we can buy it again. Right. Cause he's got a, he's got a blue toy like chest in his room that I remember I bought from the Disney store when the, the DVD came out way back. Came out last yeah. time. So, and yeah. I, I think I had pre-ordered it from the Disney store and I got like a, a jungle book snow globe too. It's got Mowgli sitting on Baloo's stomach when they're floating in the, Oh, and they're floating river. down the river. Yeah. Uh, cool. And, yeah, and this Blu-ray is just as good as the other Diamond Editions. What's kind of interesting is that usually in the Diamond Edition uh, releases, it'll announce the next two films that'll be within this Diamond Edition collection. And this time, it only uh, basically gave us the cover art for the re-release of Sleeping Beauty on Blu-ray, because that was the first Disney animated Blu-ray I remember. Oh yeah, I so too. so now we'll have gotten Sleeping Beauty twice on Blu-ray, and still not have gotten Aladdin on Blu-ray. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Going through my list of what Disney, you know, animated features are still have not been put on Blu-ray. Yeah, because, Aladdin. Yeah, I guess this counts because uh, Sleeping Beauty, when that came out on Blu-ray, was a platinum edition, because that was before they had started their. Diamond Edition. Diamond Edition. It's essentially the same thing because Platinum Edition was what they were doing on DVD at the time. And they were like, oh, let's put it on Blu-ray too. At the same time, they were doing the Platinum Edition for the DVD of Sleeping Beauty. And um, so, yeah, because uh, Snow White was the first Diamond Edition. That's why it's Diamond Edition because it's supposed to go with the, you know, the diamonds that the dwarfs are mining. Uh, but, yeah, there's a, there's a really cool... I'm glad that they're doing these because it's kind of like the... Uh, the paths to Pixar bonus features that they that they usually mm-hmm. do in the Pixar yes uh, releases the at Disney Animation, which is kind of funny that they're using like their their Twitter handle and these things too. But at Disney Animation, the sparking creativity. Now, is that the one with Darren Butters? Yeah, he he's actually that you a, tweeted. Yeah, he's a big part of the the bonus feature. Okay, he's actually one of the main MCs that like came up with like this program that they do at Walt Disney Animation Studios where like if anyone has an idea for something they they can fill out this form and kind of like share it with them there's this th- these I feel bad I forget their two names but these two guys that developed the software that John Carr's ultimately ended up using oh, used for paper for, for paperman uh so it was like another way to use like the CG animation with 
hand-drawn animation because I feel bad because I, I can't remember the guy's name. But the, he didn't want the hand-drawn animation to just die, so he wanted to figure out maybe like another way of it to exist. So he came up with that. And then there's this other guy that came up with like this wand for like particle effects that they ended up using for frozen with like all the the ice and like the snow oh for that that the snow, also those, could control the snow swirls and flurries and stuff yeah and then there's like this big part of it that it shows with there and like um like how he hosts like all these these different things and how he's basically got like three different jobs at disney doing different stuff because he's kind of like the, the warm-up guy, like that warms up crowds, like a different like a right. Events Doesn't stuff. he do that for some Disney Channel? Yeah, the, you can find shows? These, Yeah, you can, I think you can find it on his YouTube channel. Like he, he did that he for Wizards stuff. of Waverly Place when that was on. Yeah, but yeah, uh, and then they have like some other thing that they do, or like where do you come from, or the people that that work there uh, can like place like this little magnet like on this huge map that they have and. Uh, and then they can tell like their story of like where they came from and like what ultimately brought them to Walt Disney Animation Studios. So that, that's kind of cool too. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I really like this this kind of bonus feature that they've been doing now with the past few Disney releases, and I hope they keep it up. Now, Mark, what's the name of the bonus feature too? I'm not gonna get my copy till tomorrow. You know, uh, when it comes out at uh, Disney Animation, sparking creativity. Uh, and then. If if I'm not mistaken, I, I I read a story or we covered it for for the site about uh, another bonus feature that 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 has Floyd Norman on it, who who uh, animated on the Jungle Book, and then also an interview with Walt Disney's daughter Diane Disney Miller. Oh yeah, there's a oh, there's a special introduction to the movie with that, and then there's. I watched the bonus feature. I don't remember what the heck it was called. I, they're they're at uh, the Walt Disney Family Museum in in San Francisco. Right. I think that's and, what uh, you're talking about. I don't remember what that bonus feature is called on there, but I watched it and that that was pretty cool. And right at the end of that bonus feature, it says, "Yeah, uh, in in remembrance, Disney uh, Diane Disney Miller." Well, you know what's so interesting to me, Mark, is that you know the last animated film that Walt Disney worked on was The Jungle Book. Yeah, and, and the last yeah, movie it's weird that, that the his last... daughter is you know that they filmed had a filmed interview with specifically talking about the Jungle Book was or you know was with her and then and then she she died. Yeah, uh, it was shortly weird thereafter. They talk about that in in that bonus feature too about Walt uh, watching the film and she asks or no, or Richard Sherman asks uh that's right, because Richard Sherman's there too, isn't he? Yeah, uh, I don't remember if it was Richard Sherman that asked, or uh, someone asked if if he had seen if he thought that Walt had seen the the finished version of the film, and uh, she had replied that she knows that he had seen basically all of like the like the story had been finished and whatnot, and and most of the animation was done, so. That he he basically knew what it was gonna turn out like for the, more or less. So that was cool to watch. There's an interesting alternate ending on this too, uh, where when Mowgli goes to the the man village at the end of it, his parents are there. Whoa. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so and then so that kind of ultimately would have changed Jungle Book too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, would have. Yeah, and then like there's this guy that there that apparently what I guess would have been in an earlier part of the story, I don't know where, but says that thinks that Mowgli's uh, lying about Shere Khan and whatnot, and like ultimately like brings Mowgli out into like the jungle to 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 more or less kill him. <laughs> And and Shere Khan at the same time by lighting the the jungle on fire, so that that guy kind of gets his Disney villain ending as well as Shere Khan. So I think I know why they didn't do this because it would have been dark. Uh, yeah, a lot darker. Because especially with one of the storyboards that they go to, Mowgli like asks Bagheera how why he believes him all of a sudden, because Bagheera had been mad at him for something else that they had deleted. But he's like, because I can, he's like, because I can see it right back there. And like, they show like just behind him, like this, this, uh, a pile of two bodies, basically that's Shere Khan and the guy. Messed up. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that was interesting. How does the transfer look overall of the film? He said it looks, it looks great. Uh, it's, it's one, but yeah, 1.75 by one ratio aspect ratio so it's has a tiny bit of the black bars but not not too much of the top and bottom especially um but yeah like with with all disney blu-ray releases it, the transfer is great they usually do a really good job yeah yeah they've been kind of slacking somewhat like on their bonus features now where they're like i like every once in a while they put like a few new bonus features on here and then they're like and then here are all the classic ones from the DVD. I know, the classic ones, quote-unquote. That, that we're not going to, like, upgrade to HD at all. We're just going to keep them... I mean, at least they put bonus features on here. It's not, like, I, the Lilo and Stitch and Emperor's New Groove for, like, oh, yeah, if you want to watch the bonus features, you have to watch the DVD that came with the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Which stinks, too, because there's an audio commentary on the Lilo and Stitch DVD. But if you want to watch... The film with the audio commentary, you have to watch it in standard definition. Yeah. Is there an audio commentary on the Jungle Book? There is not. Okay. But there is a introduction to the film by, okay, the Diane, one by Disney Diane Miller, Disney Miller and Richard Sherman. So, And then there's uh, I Want to Be Like You hanging out at Disney's Animal Kingdom, which has two Disney Channel stars uh, basically walking around Animal Kingdom for 20 minutes. So I, I watched like five minutes of that and I had to yeah, turn because <laughs> I don't know who the, who the one little girl actress is, but I did found her kind of annoying, so I didn't want to watch any more of it. Yeah. Uh, there's Bear Eoki, so another karaoke thing on here. Music Memories and Mowgli, and then there's Disneypedia Jungle Mania. So and then like I said, there's all the bonus features that came out on the DVD of the Platinum Edition about seven years ago for the 40th anniversary that they did. Yeah, I would definitely say pick this up. Jungle Book 2 is going to be coming out on Blu-ray in March. And I, I actually liked Jungle Book 2 uh, more than I thought I was going to. John Goodman does a good vo- uh, good Phil Harris impersonation as as Baloo. And Halo Joel Osment does a pretty good job as Mowgli. As Mowgli. And they sound legitimately like had they just had like recorded the voices for Jungle Book 2 after Jungle Book and then, you know, waited 40 years to put Jungle Book 2 out. Right. But yeah, so I would definitely suggest picking up Jungle Book on Blu-ray 
on February 4th. If So by the time you're listening to this, it came out yesterday. Uh, and then the last one is based on the best-selling books, Geronimo Stilton. Uh, it's from Entertainment One on DVD. It's a few episodes of the, the TV series, which I had never seen before or even heard of. But uh, there's intrigue on the Rodent, Rodent, Rodent Express, The Mummy with No Name, The Mask of Ratjitsu, and Starring Geronimo. So it's it's kind of like in that same vein as uh, Babar. Like those kind of... Like if you ever watched... Did you ever watch Babar? Like oh, yeah. Elephant? Like it's kind of like that same kind of animation style and that same kind of storytelling. Uh, it's very... Uh, kind of... I don't know how to really express, <laughs> describe it better than that, but uh, it's definitely aimed at kids from like four to maybe nine at the most. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, the animation is is good for like for television, and I mean, like I said, if if you're someone that liked the Babar like animated series when that was on, I would definitely say to check this out. It's more or less, if you have kids, not it's not really. Someone I guess you'd really want to check out if you're an adult that has yeah. no child. Seems like it's for a person yeah, for, to watch it with you. For young children. I believe it's uh, originated in Italy. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it, yeah, it's very Italian <laughs> when you watch it. You'll, you'll, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's dubbed too because uh, obviously it would have been in Italian first. But Yes. So, yeah, those are the DVDs and Blu-rays coming out this week and last week. So, with that, we'll be back in a few seconds with our recommendations for the week. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities or Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Wherever I wander, wherever I roam, I couldn't be found off my big home. The bees are buzzing in the tree to make some honey just for me. When you look under the rocks and plants and take a glance at the fancy ants, then maybe try a few. All right, and we are back with our recommendations for the week. Mine, I'm going to start off with, uh, was actually brought to my attention by Nerdist. They had posted an article that uh, Disney actually has uh, Disney like a Disney series um, YouTube channel now, and you can watch full episodes of TV shows that they've done on there. And one of the older TV series that they have on there is the entire series of Gargoyles from the 1990s. So I would definitely suggest checking that out because Gargoyles was an awesome show. You watch the Disney Afternoon. Uh, it was on there, and I don't know. That was one of my my favorite cartoons when I was when I was younger. Watching that, I, I really enjoyed it. And the fact that you can watch like, you can watch the entire episode. It's it's entirely legal. You don't have to torrent them or anything. It's I, really cool. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, they have the entire entire series on there. So I would definitely say check that out. I'm so glad that you recommend that, Mark, because and you and you you tweeted about this too because. I didn't realize that this station 
this YouTube channel existed either. And yeah, I think it just, I think it just like just showed up recently. So what a great, what a great idea. And, and, uh, I'm definitely gonna check that out too. Cause I really, I like gargoyles as well. Yeah. Uh, so w what would you want to recommend this week? Well, I've got, I've got a couple, uh, one is I, I found, I, I came across this, this, uh, website and we've got a link in we'll have a link to it in, in the in the podcast notes but it's 10 famous corporate logos reimagined with animated characters um the artist is bruce yan and these are just there's just a lot of fun so the uh, playboy bunny is actually a profile of bugs bunny right. they've got some cool ones some cool anime ones yeah i like uh, the the starbucks one with ariel i do too yeah <laughs> i really like the morton salt one Oh yeah, the Miyazaki. Yeah, and, Miyazaki salt. And uh, you know the Michelin Man is is the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, I, I, want, I wanted to buy that that Starbucks one for my wife because she loves coffee and her favorite Disney movie is a Little is Mermaid. Is Little Mermaid? Yes, yeah. exactly. And I, I saw the the pictures of these like because I follow somebody that that went to the gallery in 1988 in L.A. and then I by association of that i started following bruce yan on instagram as well and that that ariel one's cool it's like a 3d kind of piece it's it's not like on a flat like canvas it's kind of it's almost like carved oh interesting so uh, yeah if they shot that the picture that's on the site it's kind of like head first from it but if they shot it from like an angle you can kind of see that it's you see there's it looks like it's carved out of like wood or, or something but yeah you can kind of see that with with the Bugs Bunny one, but you can see that more with if you if you find this other version of the picture. It's yes. Fun. So as you mentioned, these are on on uh, display now at, at Gallery 1988 in in Los Angeles, and I don't know how long the show is running, but uh, they look cool. Yeah, and you can and you can buy some of these and bring them home. The other recommendation I have, which is I think uh, timely and appropriate for our our episode today. Given our interview uh, with with uh, Otis, is the uh, new "How it Should Have Ended" episode of, of Star Menace. Wars, the episode one, "The Phantom Menace," which is stuff that I think any Phantom Menace hater is going to be happy. <laughs> it's going to be right. happy with. It's no no surprises, but it's always it's just done in their awesome way, and and. Uh, Clever and really just really funny. I, I'm still laughing yeah. uh, about it. Really funny. What did you think about it? How did Qui Gon still die though? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they didn't show. Maybe I guess they just didn't show it. Darth Maul took care of it. Uh, you know, off screen. Yeah. I liked uh, when they were in the Senate. All the different aliens that they they put into the pods. Like you saw <laughs> the alien from Aliens, and one of them, uh, Superman and Supergirl are, are in one. Yeah. So, so definitely look for little Easter look eggs in that for too. Easter eggs. Yeah, and uh, they always they do like a great job with like pointing out like the stuff. Like if they had just done that in the movie, they would have explained stuff and it would have fixed like that. Yeah. Little. Or like maybe sometimes you don't notice that like little thing in the movie, and then they point out and you're like, really? How did I miss that? Yeah. And also uh, another. Uh, I guess they, they bring up a, an arc, a story arc from the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, oh, yeah, check yeah, that with out. Darth Maul, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Mason from, from Rotoscopers will, will like that. He, he didn't like when they brought Darth Maul back for the Clone Wars. 
But yeah, so those are our recommendations for the week. Uh, we'll be back in a few seconds with our interview with Otis Frampton. So stay tuned, guys. Alright everyone, and here we are at the main topic for this episode. We're going to be interviewing Otis Frampton. Uh, you may have seen his work all over the internet, uh, how it should have ended. He also ha has some graphic novels out as well, uh, Oddly Normal, Josh Howard Presents Sasquatch, as well as many other things. So please welcome Otis Frampton. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Thank you for being on again. Uh, we appreciate it and everything as well. Uh, yes, no thanks, Otis. <laughs> and, uh, and you sent me a message before we started that I guess it was, was well-timed that since you do work with How It Should Have Ended as well, the their new short came out today, too. So it's kind yeah, of Yeah, How, how the Phantom Menace uh, Should Have Ended just hit the web about 20 minutes ago. So you can check that out. It's a lot of fun. And it's been a long time coming, too, because it's supposed to come out in December, but uh, certain factors caused a delay. So it's nice to have it out on the web finally. Very cool. And it's fantastic. I'm still laughing. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so I guess without, without further ado, what kind of inspired you to, to get into animation in the, the first place uh, well, and art it, in general? It's, well, it's kind of funny you should ask that about animation. Like I said on Twitter to you uh, recently, uh, you're the first person to describe me as part of the industry. <laughs> I don't even think of myself as that. It's just something I kind of fell into. Um, I've always been interested in animation, loved animation. It's been... A, a huge uh, inspiration to me, um, but getting into animation as I am now uh, was sort of just luck. Uh, um, Daniel Baxter, the creator of How It Should Have Ended, uh, saw my work on DeviantArt, uh, was a fan, and when he needed somebody to help him out uh, filling in on things, they, they did some uh, video game shorts for Machinima for a while, and the workload became too big for him, and he needed somebody to help out, and he liked my work, uh, asked me if I wanted to uh, be involved, and I, I w was already a fan at that point, um, so I said, sure. And uh, I think it took about six or seven months to sort of get the ball rolling um, between him contacting me and me doing my first short for them, which was uh, how World of Warcraft should have ended. Oh, yeah, nice. But uh, that's how I got in. It was just, you know, Daniel liked my work, which is great. So yeah, you have a very distinctive style. I really like it as well. I like the kind of like the the sharp edges you do and things like that oh. with your design. So. Well, thanks. It's uh, like I said, I'm animation is really my primary influence in terms of my artwork. So uh, it's 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 nice to be in the industry, like you said. <laughs> now. No Otis, do you have a, an an artist or a particular uh, s style or, or that you look up to the most or that you admire the most? Uh, well, as far as like direct influences, uh, a lot of comic artists: um, Jeff Smith, who does Bone, uh, Scotty Young. Um, I I grew up on '80s comics, so a lot of the artists that I, I grew up loving and, and sort of emulating when I was a kid. Uh, 
they, they don't show up anywhere in my, my work at all. It was more like, you know, I just wanted to be good. Um, it'd be as good as I could be anyway. But uh, like I said, mostly these days, my style is influenced uh, from animation. I mean, I, I just, I love, I grew up loving uh, animated series like uh, Robotech. And, and in my early 20s, I got into um, Batman the Animated Series, the Bruce Timm stuff. Bruce Timm was a huge influence on my work. And, and everybody involved in the uh, the Batman and Justice League and Superman animated shows, huge influence. Um, right, I can still are. see that. Yeah, the big chain thing. It still, still, still sort of permeates my artwork. But um, I mean, that, that's the that's mostly what it is. And in, and to this day, you know, animation in general is is really what what does it for me. I I'm more influenced by that than anything in comics still, which is odd because I mean, comics is my main my main medium. So it's just a, anything that I see animated uh, that I love will find its way a little bit, I think, into my work. So, kind of going off that, what are your your aspirations as an artist? Uh, as an artist, um, I don't know. Probably just to get better. But my my goals have always been like storytelling related. I, I grew up, I could always draw, so I grew up always always creating artwork. But my main interest is actually writing. Uh, I I wrote more as a as a kid than I ever did drawing. I like wrote plays and short stories and. And so writing was always, always my my primary thing, and and so aspirations as an artist, I guess, would be to be a, a professional storyteller. Just you know, earn a living from telling stories visually. Awesome. Um, sort of a generic answer, I know, but I mean, <laughs> as far as artwork goes, I'm I'm just trying to get, get better every day. You know, I kind of, I kind of didn't take my artwork really seriously until like. 2008, 2009 time period. I kind of, I was a slacker. I was skating on, on like, kind of raw talent, and uh, one day I was like, you know, I'm just not happy with this. I don't, I don't, I don't have fun drawing, and I, I kind of put my nose to the grindstone and just pumped up artwork constantly for a while there. And I feel like I'm now getting to the point where I should have been in my late 20s. If, if I'd drawn the way I should have when I was younger, I, this is kind of where I should have been in my early 20s. Right. So. Just getting better is my main aspiration. Awesome. Do you have a main influence for your graphic novel work? Um, well, I think the main influence for, for, say, Oddly Normal, which is my main graphic novel project, um, that comes from a lot of different sources. Like, I was really inspired by uh, the novel Wicked, um, you know, about Witch of the West, uh, Kiki's yes. Delivery Service, the Studio Ghibli film was a huge influence mm -hmm. on, on Oddly Normal. Um, and long form storytelling um, that I loved, like I mentioned before, uh, um, my, my favorite animated series of all time is, is Roatech. And uh, I loved the Macross saga. I loved the sort of long form storytelling where each each episode was a a single story, but it, it you know it, it arced over the course of the entire you know series, and that is something I when I was a kid when I got into Robotech, I'd never seen that before in any series. It felt so interesting and new, like they were, they took chances, and you know I know that Robotech is a is a, a re-edit of, of something else, but it I, I loved it, and I loved that that there were consequences, and and so that was a huge influence on my storytelling too. I think. Very cool. So, what kind of software or end hardware do you use while you while you're working? Uh, I work in Photoshop. Uh, that's my, my software of choice. I've tried other things, but I've always come back to Photoshop. 
Um, and I, I'm, I'm Mac-based. I work on a Mac Pro, and I draw on a Cintiq 21UX. It's a screen tablet. Um, I just got a, a, a ModBook Pro, actually, too, which is a, um, it's a company that takes uh, MacBook Pros and turns them into, into screen tablets, and it's mobile. So that's pretty cool. Oh, nice. um, a little pricey, but I really wanted it. So, <laughs> But no, I'm, I'm mobile, so I can, I can do anything. I can do that anywhere. In fact, I, I painted all the backgrounds for uh, how the desolation of Smaug should have ended on my ModBook uh, in De- was it December. As like a test run to see if I could actually do work on it, so it worked out, and that's that's not part of my tool set. But but mostly it's all computer graphics. Um, I don't. I've never really been happy drawing on paper. So when I got a tablet uh, for the first time, I was in heaven. Now, Otis, it's it, we're we're huge fans at Animation Fascination of your work on uh, how it should have ended. And we're wondering if you could share a little bit about how you and your team come up with your story ideas. Well, um, I'm, I'm not part of the story process, actually. I'm, like I said, uh, Daniel hired me on. Daniel, Daniel uh, Baxter, the creator and, and uh, main artist and animator, and Tina and Alexander, uh, his producer and co-writer, they hired me on. Um, and they're the, they're the writers. They, they come up with the ideas. And, and uh, basically the process uh, is that... Daniel will work up the script. Daniel Tino will work up the script. Uh, Daniel will do the storyboards. They'll send me the storyboards, and if it's a if it's a short where I'm doing the characters and the backgrounds, um, I'll get to work on creating those assets for Daniel based on his uh, his notes and his storyboards. Um, same thing if I'm doing just doing backgrounds, but it's 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 a lot shorter process because creating the characters uh, is probably more time consuming than doing the backgrounds because there's so many little components to them that need to be, you know, separate layers in Photoshop so Daniel can animate them. But uh, they, they're they the, you know, they're the creators, they're the writers, it's, it's, it's their thing and I always say I'm the art monkey, I'm the, I'm their, their little helper guy. And <laughs> so it's, it's been a dream though. I mean, they, they, they send me the storyboards and uh, they've only ever asked me to change two things in the, I guess, three years I've been working for them. So it's, I mean, it's, it's great. They, they send me the storyboards. I do the work and they seem pretty happy with it. So awesome. But I, I, I would actually, I, you know, I've never sort of tried to get involved in, in the writing. It's their thing. Um, maybe sometime in the future, I'll be more involved, uh, to some degree, maybe on even my own kind of, uh, show. But at this point, I'm really just happy to be the helper monkey. <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode that you've helped work on? Uh, my favorite episode that I've helped on, um, well, it's, it's probably probably the Titanic episode because that's that's the one that I'm I'm most proudest of uh, from an art point of view, uh, the characters and the backgrounds. I worked really hard on that one. It was their hundredth uh, uh, short, so they you know they really wanted it to be a good one. And uh, I just happen to be a huge Titanic buff. I, mean, I have been since uh, Robert Ballard found it in 85. And, and so I, I'm like hyper into the t- Titanic story. So I really wanted the ship to look you know, great and everything. And, right, and uh, so I, I'm really proud of that one. Also, that's, that's the only, uh, except, for the, except for the most recent one, uh, that's the only sh- uh, How It Should Have Ended short that I actually got uh, a joke into. Nice. They, they, they didn't have an, uh, something for the, the last bit. And um, so I th- they suggested maybe something from Avatar, and I, I threw out an idea for it, and it ended up being in the short. So 
I'm proud of that one, I think, for those two reasons. Very cool. Uh, but, I mean, in terms... I'm ahead. sorry, go ahead. No, you can oh, go I ahead. Say, I was going to say, uh, as, uh, like I said, I was a fan of the show bef- uh, before I joined on. So um, like my favorite How It Should Have Ended, I think, is uh, the, the Tron episode with the Tron rap. I just, whenever I, well, I want to, like, return to being a fan, I'll watch that episode. And I, I love the music. I love the animation. And um, I love the fact that they did that in, like, two or three weeks from start to finish. And it just blows my mind how much work went into that, into that thing. And this is before I was involved. And, and so that's my favorite episode that, that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> well, and that was another thing I wanted to ask you. How, how long overall is, is the process, Otis, from, from, you know, from beginning to end? On, on one of the episodes i don't know i don't i can't speak to the, uh, their end of the process i mean there's obviously a time before and time after um where sure. developing the, the writing and then after where they're where daniel's animating um for me i've gotten my work on on it down to like a two to three day intense workload where i just i work like for 15 hours straight just to get it done um that that's not to say that they don't give me more time than that. That's just because of my, you know, my schedule and, and the time that I have allowed for, for each short. I've kind of boiled it down to these, these, this weird, you know, weekend where I'll be like, I'll tell my girlfriend, I'm going away for the weekend. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Going into how it's invented land to work on this. <laughs> but I, I think, I think it's like, um, I don't know. It just if I had to guess, I, I guess it's like a month long period from start to finish for the production of these. Uh, but sometimes things get in the way and, and, and cause delays and sometimes things, you know, accelerate the process and, and I'll have to, you know, work even even faster. But, uh, you know, it's, it's strange. Uh, Daniel and Tina, uh, I, I only just met them in person last year at Comic-Con in San Diego. Okay. Uh, so we'd worked together for, you know, two and a half years before we ever met. Um, so, I mean, they, like I said, they send me the, a PDF of the, the backgrounds that they, they, they need or, the, you know, the artwork and... It really is a, an email relationship for the most part. We talk. We, I think we talk more on Twitter than Daniel and I than we do through email. That's weird to to think that. Well, because I met, uh, I went to the only time I've been to Comic Con was 2010. That's when I I ran into to both of them. Uh, that so that's weird for me to think that I ran into them in person before you did. Yeah, so. I heard I heard that on the on the, on the, the podcast and, I, and he he drew a picture for you. He drew something for you? Yeah, uh, Sp- of Spider-Man. So. I keep telling them that they should they should get a booth at Comic-Con or at least some show because I think they they would just be, be you huge. know, oh, it'd be huge. I know. I keep telling them and and they're not sure about that, but uh I would love to see the crowds around around yeah, Daniel at a sure. at a show cuz I think it'd be huge. I, th- I think that year they were like part of the the stars booth, because yeah, did, well, so. just anything. I, I I think I think that they'd be a big draw, and I and um, I think the numbers they've been posting on YouTube for for the shows recently really bears that out. But you, you could go as well. So well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I I actually I had a I was in Artist Alley for a number of years at Comic Con, and then I wasn't for a few years. And I finally returned last year, and I, I shared a booth with three other guys, and that's when we when when we met. So I'm not sure if I'm going back this year because I I, I wasn't able to get a table, but we'll see. Yeah, that keeps getting crazier every year too. Oh, so. it's it's nuts. Just just to get in has become sort of a you know a, a trek. <laughs> oh yeah. So 
what would you what where is your dream job to work at would it to be just for yourself or is there like a studio or a place that you would like to ultimately find yourself at well yeah for myself that's that's always been the dream i mean i'm kind of you know in a certain way living it now because i work from home from home i do freelance i do you know working on my graphic novel um but i guess the better version of it would be to actually really earn a living from it <laughs> instead of just getting by you know right. um but yeah, to to work for myself and uh, to uh, to be a successful storyteller, to be able to to really say, yeah, I'm doing good and, and telling my stories and and having that work out, awesome. getting closer. But but that's that's the dream. Definitely. Yeah. If if I, if I had had enough money, I would buy a bunch of of your artwork because I like it a lot. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. No problem. Uh, yeah, uh, and that's also why I ended up using it for the that Toy Story. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I, I love yeah, your Toy Story holiday picture. That's really cool. So, yeah, I ke- people people kept uh, asking me about that, and I said, no, no, I have nothing to do with it, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I tried to clarify in that article and like link it back to your your DeviantArt page too. Yes, <laughs> some people don't don't read all the way when they check stuff out. Also wondering if if you've got a particular dream project, you know, uh, any particular type type of stories that you're wanting to explore, or or what are some other things you're you're, you're thinking about? Uh, well, you know, that kind of ties in with uh, what my dream job is. I, I'm I'm kind of working on my dream project now, which is uh, oddly normal, which was originally a uh, a, a series uh, published by Viper Comics in the early mid 2000s and uh viper had some trouble there and i ended up having to leave it because they were no longer publishing so everybody who was talent there kind of moved to different places and um i actually tried to get it uh published as a, a graphic novel for for a few years there i had a literary agent and we almost had it sold to a book publisher and it just kind of fell apart at the end which was a bummer but it happens but I decided to to go it alone and and, re, and I'm basically rebooting the series and and redoing it uh, the way I always wanted to, and uh, so that's that's what I'm working on right now actually. And I I just sent out some pitch packages to a bunch of public uh, comic publishers uh, early this month, so hopefully one of them bites. Oh yeah, good luck. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, thanks. You think you would and ever? I, yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh, so, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna just say, do you think you would ever consider trying to do like a, a Kickstarter to? To get it put out as well, or well, actually, I did do a Kickstarter for it. I did oh. it not to get it like printed or anything, but to sort of help me get it, you know, off oh, the yes. ground. And it was successful. I'm, but I'm now, you know, I've been working on it for a couple of years now, and so the next step is to is to get it picked up by a publisher. And I, I think I can get that to happen. I mean, Definitely. it was if if the old version was good enough to get you know, published, I think this new version is is. Is much better. I'm I'm finally happy with it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, but I, the that's my my dream project to to have that kind of rebooted and be happy with it because I I wasn't happy with the original version. It was done. It was done at a time I was I was in the Air Force for six years and I had to create the miniseries during my last year in the Air Force where I was working like fifteen hour days and coming home and working on the comic and it was it. it nearly killed me i mean it was just it, i i didn't sleep for a year so and i was i was a i was a terrible artist at the time i really was i look at that stuff and i cringe so it's nice to finally 
have a version that's coming going to be coming out that that I can look at. Awesome. Yeah, and I think the the hardest person to, uh, um, I don't know, make your make happy is is yourself. So it's good that you're happy with it. So. Well, yeah, we're all, we're our own worst critics, we artists people. But no, seriously, it was it's terrible. The artwork is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I, I I often joke that now I finally have the artist on the book that I always wanted on it, which is still me, but you know, it's a different me because my artwork is so different now. I actually, I'm actually, I think, okay at it. <laughs> so, uh, going from from that graphic novel, how did how did your other work on uh, Josh Howard presents? Tombstone Twins and Chosen come about? Uh, well, the Josh Howard Presents anthology was was one of... Uh, that was for Viper also. Uh, Josh um, uh, Josh was the only really successful uh, creator in Viper. He was the one kind of keeping the place afloat with Dead at 17. Uh, and when Viper kind of, you know, had that problem I mentioned, uh, Josh took Dead at 17 to Image and he's been there ever since. So he, he kind of got out, got out alive and... Uh, um, Anyway, he uh, he put together an anthology based on uh, you know Sasquatch. He he told us do anything you want, and uh, so that was a lot of fun. Josh, uh, Josh and I are are friends and have collaborated on a couple of uh, comic pitches over the last few years that also haven't gone anywhere. But you know, it's 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 been great watching watching his success happen because he totally deserves it. His stuff is great. Um, uh, Tombstone Twins was a book I, I, I illustrated for Capstone Books. So it's a, like a kids book. And uh, I actually just finished writing a, a book for them that I might illustrate too. I'm not sure. They told me I could if I wanted to, but I'm waiting to hear back. Oh, cool. And uh, Chosen um, uh, is a, sh- a short story, like 20, it was 28 pages, 28 pages, I think. Um, and it's going to be a, a backup story and a graphic novel companion to uh, the, a documentary by the, by the name of Chosen that came out a few years ago. Um, and it's it's about the Korean War, and it's about these two kids. The, my story was about these two kids and their sort of uh, escape as refugees from from the uh, the chosen the battle of Chosen, and that should be coming out in the spring, I think. So awesome. that was Definitely a lot of fun to work on. I, I had a I was a waiter for a number of years, and I had a and one of my one of my customers who came in every morning at like 5 a.m. Uh, to the coffee place I worked at, um, he was a Korean War veteran, so I heard all the stories from him. So I really, really was glad to work on Chosen because uh, of my, my friendship with uh, with a veteran. So that was nice. Awesome. Yeah, what an interesting project. Otis, with some of your other animation work, such as Stans, Rants, and Empire and Cut, would you mind telling us a little bit about those projects and and uh, how they came about and anything else you'd like to share with some of your about your other animation work? Uh, well, Stan's Rants is actually, uh, it's, it was an episode of, uh, well, it was an episode of Stan's Rants, which is a YouTube uh, series that Stan Lee does. And uh, How It Should Have Ended uh, collaborated with him on one of his episodes, and it was basically Stan um, telling his version of how certain movies should have ended. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Um, the the How It Should Have Ended uh, team they asked me to do the artwork for it, uh, so that was a lot of, a lot of that was really cool. You know, to be able to put that on my resume is nice. Um, oh yeah. We, I'm not sure, but there might be more of that coming. Oh, well, that's cool. I, so I might get to do more Stanley stuff, which would be really cool. 
but um, I'm not sure. I haven't heard about it in a while, so we'll see. Um, but that'd be, that'd be awesome. Uh, Empire Uncut. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Star Wars Uncut. You ever do any uh, any shows about that? The, uh, uh, I've seen the uh, there's the that documentary the the people versus George Lucas and they showed part of that the Star Wars yeah Uncut, they show, yeah, yeah like, they show a ton of a ton of Star Wars Uncut in that in uh, people versus George Lucas which was I mean they kind of really filled up the the show with that which was nice yeah. but um, the anyway the guys behind that uh, are doing. You know, a sequel. They're doing the Empire Strikes Back uncut, where the same process, uh, where they ask people to to send in, like I think it's six second clips. I forget how many seconds it was, but it's you know really tiny clips from the movie. You get to choose your clip. You send in your version of of the clip. You know, you can recreate the scene exactly. You can do a, a funny version of it, or you can do an animated version of it. Um, and then then they choose the ones they like best, and they edit them all together and, and recreate the movie using, you know, crowdsourced video. And uh, the first one was really su- successful. I think it won an Emmy oh, for something, for like the like a web series. Uh, and so they're doing another one. And I created a, a clip for Empire Uncut. And uh, I, I'm i hopeful it'll, it's going to be used because it's, it's, I think, currently sitting at number 23 in terms of popularity over the, like, you know, hundreds or thousands of clips they got. So it's it's up there, and I'm crossing my fingers. But um, like I said, I'm not an animator, but I kind of used my uh, my knowledge of the uh, the techniques that Daniel uses for how it should have ended to create my clip. Um, and boy, if I didn't respect Daniel as an animator before that, uh, I certainly did after because yeah. it took me a long time to oh, make yeah. that clip. Uh, turned out okay, but it was still like, wow, boy, I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Uh, Matt, who, who's usually on this podcast with me as well, got me an animation animation software for Christmas, and I just started trying to use that, and it definitely definitely makes you respect anyone that animates a lot a lot more, just because of like it's definitely a a very hard thing to like learn and get into and be oh, really it's good at it. So. Yeah, it's really complex. I I actually for. A, I don't know, maybe a year or two, I was really in, into studying animation and, and learning about it, even though I, I don't do it. I, I learned all about After Effects. I studied all the books that you have to read for it and stuff, and and I never ended up using it um, until uh, Empire Uncut, but that was, you know, I had already forgotten everything at that point. But I mean, <laughs> to learn to learn animation, even, even like computer animation, with uh, uh, Daniel uses After Effects to animate uh, how it should have ended. I used uh, Apple Motion, which is sort of After Effects light, um, but it's it's a it's comparable software. But I you got you got to like learn fifty things just to learn the one thing. You know, there's so much involved in it. And uh, it, one of the things that I was really impressed by uh, for how it should end, how it should have ended before I I was asked to join was the animation. I I was really impressed by how Daniel made si- really simple graphics kind of live in, a, in an energetic way you know yeah. um, I just I'm, re- I'm always impressed by the, his animation it, it, it looks simple but it's it's really not and uh, it's always great seeing the stuff that I give him come alive that's always a, a, a treat and you can see how it's progressively gotten better over over the years as well too like if you go back and watch like how it should have ended for Fellowship of the Ring and then and now just watch uh, Phantom Menace you can see the definitely oh yeah he's 
He's got he's gotten so so good. I mean, he was good before. I mean, I mean, the first episodes I ever saw, I think, were uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, and then Star Trek. And I was blown away by those. I was really impressed. That's what made me a fan. And uh, but he's he's really good at what he does. I I have uh, nothing but 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 love for the House Schmidt team. They're great. Definitely. And we're glad you're a part of them as well. Oh well, thanks. It's it's yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fun. It's a fun and, you know, I don't want to say it's an easy gig because, it, you know, it's always hard when you get that, that set of storyboards and you're like, okay, well, here we go again. You know, it's a lot of work. But in terms of, like, the collaboration and, and the, the trust, you know, artists oftentimes when, when they work for somebody else, they don't, they don't have a – they're always dreading the feedback. They're always dreading the changes and they're always sort of dreading the nitpicking that goes on. But, you know, this, in terms of, of that – this has been just a dream job because you know they they like what I do they they trust me um, and uh, like I said they only ever asked me for two changes in the three and a half years I worked for them for them and it's funny I'll never I'll never forget the first one because <laughs> it was my first uh, movie short it was uh, Ghostbusters oh, nice. and Daniel wrote back can you just make Egon's nose a little bigger <laughs> and I was like that's it really okay cool <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, I, I the only other question I'd have about the Empire thing. Can would you be able to tell us how far into the movie your six second uh, scene would be? Uh, it's toward the beginning. It's um, it's it's the scene where Luke uh, sees uh, the asteroid hit, okay. and he takes out his, his binoculars and he like focuses on it. So it'd be it'd be early on in in the movie if it if it ends up being in there and. Uh, so well, hopefully, hopefully it ends up being there, because right. I, I had a lot of fun making it, and and uh, I loved the, the first uncut. So I'd love to be a be a part of that. Well, definitely fingers crossed that it gets in there, because oh, well, thanks. Uh, so where can people find find all of your your artwork online? Uh, well, the usual places, um, but. If you just go to otisframpton.com, uh, you can find links to uh, Twitter, Facebook, DeviantArt, um, and my online store. Uh, I sell I sell some stuff as as prints via society6.com, um, and I get a lot of requests for certain images as prints. But most of the stuff I do that's considered like fan art uh, is actually commission work, and I kind of have this this rule for uh, digital commissions that I don't. I won't reprint them, you know. So a lot of the stuff that people may have seen from me isn't available as prints because I, I want that to be like unique for the people who commission it. So, but there's there's enough there. Very cool. Uh, and we'll definitely put all that information into the show notes so people can check that out for you. Uh, oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, and then we usually do a recommendation every week uh, on the show. What would you like to recommend this week while you're on? Uh, well, I wanted to actually recommend, um, a, I mentioned Robotech, uh, is my favorite animated series. I wanted to recommend the Robotech, the complete set that just came out in November of last year. Uh, one, because like I said, I love it. It's an awesome series. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's, it's, it's the Macross saga especially is just, I think one of the best stories I've ever seen, but also, uh, because the cover to the, the new set. Um, was done by my friend Sergio Quijada. Uh, uh, in fact, it was a piece of fan art he did 
years ago, and the print is on my wall. And I remember when I saw the the, the new set cover, I was I had to email him because he hadn't mentioned anything about it. And uh, so it's got an amazing cover too. Very cool. So yeah, I wanted to. Uh, are you guys? You think you guys are gonna gonna have uh, Daniel on? I'm gonna try to. I, I've sent him messages in the past, but I've never gotten a reply from him. So. Oh, okay. Well, but maybe I'll mention it to him because, uh, like I said, love it. that'd be that'd be great to hear. I, I, I'd like to know some things about about, uh, you know, what, how he does all that stuff too. Because I, I haven't, I, you know, I haven't seen many interviews with him or, or really seen him talk process before. Yeah. So I'd love to kind of get in. I, I always, I always tell him I'd love to like spend a week just looking over his shoulder while he works on, on a short, just to learn a little bit. Cause, um, it's inspiring. So definitely. Uh, and we, we want to thank you again for, for coming on and taking time out of your day and our, our little mishap at the, the time zone. Uh, oh, no worries. No worries. But yeah, again, thanks a lot. Um, and, like like I said on Twitter, it, it's it was it was cool being uh, mentioned as part of the animation uh, industry because that that was the first time anybody really you know mentioned that about me. So yeah. I really appreciate that. That was kind of fun. No worries, sir. Alright, hope you guys enjoyed our interview with Otis Frampton on this episode of Animation Fascination. Uh, like we said with him, you can follow us on Twitter just by following... You can follow me at Mark Vibbert, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T. And you can follow me at Stanford Clark. Or you can follow the show at Animated Podcast. You can also feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at animationfascination.wordpress.com. Or you can also like us on Facebook and be... We're almost to 700 on there. So just, just by searching for Animation Fascination. Uh, so I'm Mark Pippert. For myself, Stanford Clark, and our guest, Otis Frampton. Thank you guys for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time. Later. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Have a good night. No problem. You too, and I okay. will talk to you later. I'll talk to you soon. See you, bud. Bye. Bye. Oh, my, my, this here Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry. And he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye. Saying, soon I'm going to be a Jedi. Soon I'm going to be a Jedi. Junkyard slave isn't even old enough to shave, but he can use the force, they say. Uh, do you see him hitting on the queen, though he's just nine and she's fourteen? Yeah, he's probably gonna marry her someday. Well, I know he built C-3PO. All right, and 
that was our interview poop. That was our interview with poop. <laughs> we interviewed uh, Mr. Hankey. Uh, <laughs>